Acts chapter 20. We're going to go through the first 16 verses, okay? Acts chapter 20, you guys, listen to this, is maybe in many ways like the pinnacle of Acts. Like what Paul has to say here is so powerful. We're not going to get to this. We're going to take about four weeks to get through this, cha- this chapter in particular. We're going to go through and talk about his, what led him up to meeting with the elders here in Miletus. It's a fun story. There's a couple things that'll be neat to get. And then we have his dialogue to them and how he shares his heart. And it's the heart of a pastor. It's the heart of a person who is a leader and loves the body of Christ. That includes you, I hope. You get to see this window into what things are like and how you serve. In Acts chapter 20, just to highlight a a few areas, he says, I kept back nothing that was helpful from you. This is in verse 20. Makes sense, pretty straightforward. But one of the reasons why we love home fellowships is because it's just outrageously biblical. It's what the early church did. You being plugged into and from house to house, you see this lifestyle of discipleship that the early church had. Lord, help us model this today, right now. He says that in verse 24, after hearing that there's this crazy things, persecution awaits him, he says, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I might finish the race with joy in the ministry that I've received from the Lord Jesus Christ to testify the gospel of grace. These are powerful scriptures, things that should move and motivate us. And like, Lord Jesus, would you do that work in my own heart? I want to be able to say that no matter what, nothing moves me. I don't count my life dear to myself. I just want Jesus to be exalted. Like that preaches really well. Doesn't it get you fired up? But then it's like, you got to wake up on Monday and then you, oh Lord, it's still true. Help me please. He goes on to say that I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. This beautiful picture of just all that God has had. We have, them, we have it right here in God's word. That which God has spoken, the wisdom that God has. We have it here. We get to teach through it. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Shepherd the church of God. And notice this, that he purchased with his own blood. And it's like, man, that's some crazy stuff. How valuable are you? How much are you loved? You have been purchased, and as we read, by the blood of Jesus. That's pretty incredible. Paul sharing these things with, these, with the elders from Ephesus, trying to articulate his heart. And I won't go into all of it, but he says, hey, it's going to get crazy. Savage wolves are going to come in. But he starts with this beautiful thing about how Jesus is worthy of it all. Well, we're not there yet. We gotta go to the chapter one, or verse one in order for us to get there. Let's pray. Jesus, have your way. Speak to us. We sit underneath the authority of your word. We thank you that we have this council canonized and written down for us. Jesus, would you speak very clearly? Holy Spirit, teach us that we would know what it is we are to walk away with. But at the end of the day, Jesus, we wanna fall at your feet. You're worthy of it. (laughs) You have redeemed us and you've bought us back. So please teach us. We again submit to you, Lord. We surrender and yield. Have your way in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. After the uproar had ceased, Paul called the disciples to himself 
embraced them and departed to Macedonia. You guys might remember several weeks ago, there was this crazy uproar that took place in Ephesus. Well, what was the occasion that brought that on? Here's the occasion. The church, those who had been redeemed, lived such a radical life that it changed the economy of an entire region. Of, it impacted the lives of people down to their wallets because they no longer were going to worship false gods. All these people now were worshiping the one true God and it dried up the money for these other people. And they got upset about it and they said, hey, we, this isn't going to work. Uh, I need some money. And they start chanting things like, great is the God of goddess diana the ephesians for two hours they stood in this uh like a theater and chanted that and the, the leader of the city came out and said enough of this what are you even here nobody even knew what they were there for they just were chanting things well that ends and paul's like i think i'm i think i'm gonna go <laughs> he takes off he sees these disciples he calls them together and no doubt talks to them and shares with them a message to encourage them and he gives them hugs. And I just love how Luke describes this. He embraces them, and then he departed for Macedonia. Go ahead and throw that map up there, Bailey, if you don't mind, please. And we're going to read some journeys here. And we're going to talk about what it means to redeem your time. It says in verse 2, when he had gone over that region in Macedonia, he encouraged them with many words. And then he came to Greece. Greece is that lower part. You'll see in the very center of your map is Asia. And then up to the left in the pink is Thrace. And then over is Macedonia. And then when you go all the way down is Achai or like kind of modern day Greece, that area. So he's traveling up. And all the while, while he's traveling, he's just sharing God's word, encouraging them, continuing in the faith. Continue to put your trust in the finished work of the cross. Don't go back to works but trust in a living God who is risen, who always lives to make intercession on your behalf. Put your faith in him. He's encouraging them. What we have here in scripture and the things that we see him sharing later on in Acts chapter 20, that's part of his message that he would have shared with these people in Macedonia and Greece and various other places. So you'll notice in verse three, it says, they stayed for three months. And when the Jews plotted against him as he was about to sail to Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. Now, keep in mind that what Luke just said is that a group of Jews gathered together and they said, hey, anybody have some really good ideas on how we can kill Paul? And Paul said, hmm, I'm gonna change my travel plans because of this. Now, I don't know exactly why you would think uh, kind of on the surface that getting on a boat and sailing to Syria would have been the best way. I don't know if he's being bold or if there was just, you know, details we don't know, but he's like, I'm just going to walk back through. Perhaps it was one of those things where Paul was like, there was a lot of persecution and I'm just going to walk straight into it and let the churches know, keep going hard. Don't put your head down. Speak and trust that God's going to use you because what matters is Jesus. The gospel, people coming to know him, people being born again, set free from their sins, set free from bondage, seeing them come alive for the very first time. That's what matters. So anyway, he heads up back where he was. He kind of makes a U-turn down there by Corinth, and then he starts traveling up again, encouraging the churches. In verse 4, we're going to find that he has a ministry team. It says, and 
Remember the Bereans? They were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica and that they searched the scriptures every day to find out if Jesus was indeed the Messiah. And so they would go to Psalm 22. They would go to Isaiah 53 and various places. And Paul would share them with this and they would go to the synagogue and they'd crack open the word. And they, man, is this true? Man, it totally talks about his, na- his hand and his feet being nailed. That's crazy. Like, and they would just walk through it. And man, it really seems like Jesus is the Messiah. Those Bereans were strong. We have a representative from that church continuing with Paul in ministry. So there was Sopater of Berea. They accompanied him to Asia. And also was Aristarchus and Segundus of the, of the Thessalonians. You have Gaius of Derby. Hey, we know Timothy. And then you have Tychicus and Trophimus from Asia. These men, as, as Luke says, going ahead, waited for us at Troas. Guess who we got again? Hanging out with Paul is Luke, right? Us, second person. So Luke and Paul are hanging out. Paul said, hey, ministry dudes, you guys go ahead of us to Troas. We're going to kind of take our time here. And they sailed away from Philippi, Paul and Luke, sailed from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread, and in five days joined them at Troas, and then they stayed there for seven days. Now, Luke's getting very specific in his timing, and we're going to try to trace something. I'm going to leave it to you guys to do the math. I did it already, but you can look into it. There's something that Paul's trying to do. And when I talk about redeeming your time, which is really kind of what the the end of this is, giving God your time, Paul's trying to get somewhere. In your Bibles, look at Acts chapter 19. So just a little bit to the left. In verse 21, Acts 19, 21. They're in Ephesus, by the way, and they're they're walking through things, and he's, we'll get to it. When these things were accomplished, uh, Paul purposed in his spirit when he had passed through Macedonia and Nicaea to go to Jerusalem, saying, after I have been there, I must also see Rome. So he sent into Macedonia two of those who ministered to him. The first one was Timothy and then Erastus. But he himself stayed in Asia or Ephesus for a time. Paul was in Ephesus for three years or so, somewhere around there. What's interesting about this, and look and again in verse 21, Paul purposed in his spirit, sorry, in the spirit, meaning he's hanging out with the Lord. What does it mean to hang out with the Lord? means like you're hanging out in the word. You're reading. Maybe you're walking around, and we'll get to walking here in a second, but you're just spending time with Jesus. You're considering things. And he sensed deep in his soul, the Lord spoke to him, hey, I want you to go through Macedonia, but I got to get you to Jerusalem eventually. And so it was all the way back then, months and months ago, that God had moved on his heart, and he knew, like, I got to get somewhere. There's someplace I got to go. And he makes plans according to that very thing. And so as he goes, look at verse 6 of Acts chapter 20. We're going to go back there again. They sailed from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread. That was when you would have the Passover lamb. And they would sacrifice the lamb. They would do all these things. He's away from Jerusalem. That's very unusual probably for him to have missed the Passover. But he's doing ministry and he's following Jesus and he's sharing about the Passover lamb, Jesus. So he waited in Philippi and celebrated that with them. It's interesting. I don't understand it, and I wish I knew more, okay? I'm sorry, but Philippi did not have a synagogue, or so we think. Remember, they they met there um, by by the river where people prayed. There wasn't a synagogue. But he goes there to celebrate Passover. Interesting. But after that was done, you know, after Passover, that was when Jesus was, was crucified. And then 50 days later, you have Pentecost. And 
Paul is going to be trying to get to Jerusalem by that point in time. You'll see that in Acts chapter 20, and in verse 16 is when he says that. So he's going somewhere. He has a purpose, you could say, right? God has spoken to him. I know I'm supposed to do something. He's got 50 days from Passover to get to Jerusalem to celebrate Pentecost. Something, if you remember, Pentecost was the birth of the church, right? So it has significance for sure. All right. So they go ahead, send it, then they were seven days there at Troas. Luke is with them. In Troas, so we're pausing the story, and Luke's going to talk about an event that took place in Troas. In verse, starting in verse 7. On the first day of the week, the disciples came together to break bread. That's what we're doing today, by the way. First day of the week, we're going to break bread. It's the first uh, Sunday of the month. We're going to take communion today. And they uh, came together, Paul, ready to depart for the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. They would gather the first day of the week, Sunday for them. Now, so then Monday, he was going to take off and go on his journey. Here's the thing to consider and to remember. Paul likely will never see most of them again. So he's leaving Troas. And if I can point this out really quickly, you'll notice that there's two different times where the The way this is written changes. Luke, again, likely lived in Troas, it would seem at least. At least Paul picks him up there twice, as far as what we read. He's not going to see them again. And so what would it be like to be in in a church like this and just be like, guys, I'm out of here. Never going to see you again. I love you. And you would share this message, right? Because they had done ministry together. They had done a lot of life together. And they they had been hard going after it for the gospel. And they had shared just time together. And so he's sharing with them. He's leaving. He's not going to see them again. And so they're all hanging out. And this continued, his message continued until midnight. I want you guys to consider that's 12 more hours that we'd be hanging out. Now, I know that you guys love me, but not that much, okay? (laughs) I know, and it's okay. I wouldn't love me that much. But Paul has a message, man, and just the sweetness of God's spirit working in that church, ministering to them. They just kept at it. Hey, if Paul were preaching a message, I'd stick around for 12 hours. (laughs) Wouldn't you? (laughs) Like, I'd be sticking around, believe me. If Jesus came here and was preaching a message, oh, however long you've got, Jesus, here I am. Can you imagine that? How cool that would be? The stories, the heart, the love, just all those things. That'd be fun. That those days are coming. We're going to be able to be face-to-face with Jesus and just sit and listen. That would be so good, wouldn't it? So they go until midnight. Now, there were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered together. Why does Luke make that point? Because it was dark, right? It was midnight and it was dark. And they didn't, like, hang out like that. We have lights. We pop them on. Dumb time change started again. And now it's going to be dark at, like, 4 today. I don't know what it takes. I'll tell you what, let's get somebody to change the laws so that we don't have to do this again. I don't know about what you think, but go, I don't know, somebody, anyway, so there were lamps. We're going to have to turn our lamps on an hour earlier now, and we lose daylight. It's dumb. I can't stand it. But there were lamps here. They were gathered together, hanging out in this upper room, spending time together. Okay, simple stuff. But I want you to pretend like you're the church and you're there, and then you, you just get a picture different of how this is going to turn out. Now, we were in first service. We're up in the chapel room where we're up a little bit higher. The story will make sense. In a window, there sat a young man named Eutychus. Now, second service missed this. Megan Ewing came up to me after second service and says, do you know what this guy's name means? And so I looked it up. His name means lucky or fortunate. 
Okay, keep that in mind. <laughs> I'm like, oh, Megan, that is so good. I wish Second Service had it, but you guys get the special edition, okay? This guy's name, Eutychus, means fortunate. Well, let's read about his fortune. Who was sinking into a deep sleep. Now, you can't, you can't give him too much flack. It's midnight. Paul's been talking for like 12 hours. You've got that low light of a candle on, you know what I'm saying? It's like cozy. It's probably hot in that room. And so he's sitting by the window to get air, right, in and out. He's trying to breathe well. He's just, and then we see he's, (laughs) he was overcome by a deep sleep. Have you guys ever done that in church? Absolutely you have. I, I mean, just the, guys, listen, God's word is cool, right? I mean, it is like really cool. And the language that's used is purposeful. He was overcome by a deep sleep. When do you get overcome by a deep sleep? Probably when you're trying to pray, when you're hanging out in the word. Here we are in church. Some people are like this right now. You're trying so hard. I remember going to pastor's conferences with the Bible college. And it was like, what in the world spiritual warfare type stuff where I'm trying to listen and I'm telling you, my eyes will not open overcome, not by a deep sleep, but just just like, why am I so tired right now? I don't know, man. There's a battle, but this guy was overcome by deep sleep. He's been hanging out. Poor guy. Like, I get it. Notice though, Paul, undeterred, continued speaking. (laughs) He's not going to worry about that guy who's nodding off and he's probably snoring. We've had prayer meetings in Bill's office when back in the day, I can remember it so vividly where we'd be having it and, and we'd shut the door and there'd be like 14 of us in his office and we'd be praying and man, it's getting rough. It's hot and stuffy and towards the afternoon, the sunlight gets into that office, doesn't it? And it gets hot. And there was a person on staff who struggled with that and he would snore. And his, he, would, he would wake up praying. Like he, he would snore and he'd wake up and Lord, we just ask that you would do this. <laughs> and if you think I'm making stuff up to make you laugh, ask somebody on staff who's been around for 10 years. And I'm telling you, like you get in there and it gets hot and you just start. And then and he would wake himself up snoring and then he would pray. It was really funny. It would lighten the mood. Anyway, I get it. I get it, right? It's just hard. But Paul's so strong in it. I'm going to continue fighting through this. Listen, I'll never see you again. Just give me one more, you know, one more thing. Anyway, Eutychus, the fortunate one, he fell out of the window. Three-story window, Luke makes it no, And he was taken up dead. So here we are hanging out. Imagine we're on a third story, and I'm, we're sharing and having a blast. It's getting late, and we're getting tired. But Eutychus falls out of the window. And we're like, he's dead. We're three stories up. The guy fell out. He's dead. This actually happened during a church service, you guys. Remember, Luke is with him. They're in Troas. Luke is a doctor. But here goes, Paul ran down the stairs and fell on him. Now, I don't know what the normal protocol would be when a guy falls out of a window. Think about in the NFL, there's like potential brain stuff. They, They immobilize the head. And they put him on a stretcher, right? So nothing can move. And they take him in. They'll do x-rays and CAT scans. And they'll figure out if anything's going on there. They'll be really careful. No, not Paul. Paul runs down there and falls on the guy. And then embraces him. Hugs him real tight. And he says, hey, guys, don't worry. His life is in him. How he knew that, I don't know. Did he put his ear next to his mouth and heard he's breathing? Like, get off me, Paul. Whatever it was, I don't know. He's like, he's fine. Don't worry about it. 
So all this takes place. Bear in mind, there's a group of people up in a room wondering what's happened. Many of them probably are looking out the window down at Paul, laying on him. Luke's down there like, Paul, you don't lay on people who just fell out of three-story windows. And you'll notice what happens then is Luke, I don't know, says, Paul, let me take care of him. Paul's like, ah, he's cool. He's good. And then he goes back up to that room and he eats food. (laughs) I just think it's so appropriate. I'm hungry. I just went down and like tackled a guy who had fallen out of a three-story. Let's eat some food, right? We call it Calorie Chapel here. (laughs) Eat some food, grab some. Caleb Garcia, I got to give him props because he was like, hey, remember Calorie Chapel? I was like, oh, you're so right. That's like a joke we have. Anyway, he's eating some food and they talked even more. Well, like, where's Eutychus? We don't know at this point in time. Neither do you. He's just, Paul's like, he's good. Don't worry about it. Luke's got him. Hey, you might got a sandwich. I'm hungry. So they eat some food, and then they, they go all the way till daybreak, and then he left. He continued talking for like seven more hours, you guys. Six more hours. Just sharing. I mean, imagine how much you'd have to love somebody to hang out with them for that long and listen to them talk. But they're fellowshipping, hanging out. It was just a special time, wasn't it? In church history, especially but you'll never see Paul again. And so they were hanging out. And then notice in verse 12, imagine this, we finished. They finally brought Eutychus up and he was alive and everybody was like, oh, praise the Lord. They're comforted. They're excited by all of this. Hey, this is a story that actually happened. You're gonna meet Eutychus in heaven. And you're gonna be like, hey, I I heard about this story, Eutychus. Tell me about that. How was that fall? What was it like? Were you like aware that Paul was tackling you? What'd you think about when Paul tackled you? Have fun with it. Eutychus is his name. Look him up. He lived during the first century, okay? (laughs) I don't know how that'll work in heaven. So here's Paul. He does this. He says goodbye to those in Troas, likely to never travel there again. God's got other plans for him. He's going to be doing some other works, other places. The map is up there. You guys can see this. Then we went ahead to the ship and sailed to Assos. There, intending to take Paul on board. For he, or so he had given orders, intending himself to go on foot. They're in Troas. They're going to go to Assos. Now, I want to pause and just allow an opportunity for some instruction, perhaps, or maybe things we can glean from this. Because I find it interesting, if you can remember, that Paul was trying pretty hard to get somewhere within a certain amount of time. Going on ship would have been faster. Admittedly, though, Assos is only about 20 miles south of Troas. So a day's walk, if you're walking pretty quick, maybe two days, right? But those who had gone ahead of him waited for him. It would have been faster to go on boat. It would have been easier to go on boat. But for whatever reason, Paul was like, I need to walk. Like, what is going on? You guys go ahead, I need to walk. Is it because he needed some alone time and just to walk and talk? to hang out with the Lord, to take that time and just set it apart and say, I need to spend that time with the Lord. And you guys might know how it is. You're in your house. You just need to get out of your house and go for a walk and be like, Lord, what are you doing? Well, you're troubled. Like something's going on. I got to figure out what's happening. I remember watching Bill just walk the property and just praying, right? What's he doing? He's just praying. Lord, what are you doing? There's issues and things where your heart is heavy. You're trying to figure out stuff, trying to know what his will is. And so you would walk. Is that what was happening here? It's likely, it's possible. Was there somebody, Paul said, hey, you know, maybe he brought Eutychus along. I said, I just want to walk with you, Eutychus, and make sure you're cool. I just want to invest in you. Long story short, there was an opportunity. It was led by the Lord, and Paul gave of his time to walk there. He could have traveled by boat, but there was something, some reason why he walked. 
And I want you to consider it. And, and maybe the point of application is this. The, the difference between being busy and being hurried, and, and I learned this first, or maybe had this sown in my heart weeks and weeks ago, months or so now, at a Truth at Work conference, a guy named Jordan Rayner was sharing. He wrote a book called Redeeming Your Time. It was a great book. We bought it. We're going to read through it. It was good stuff, though. The premise is this. Jesus is the author of time. He created that. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If you read Colossians chapter one, you'll read and realize it was Jesus who was the one doing that work. He's the author of time. He's probably good at managing his time. And so he'll look, what what Jordan Rayner did, for example, is he looked at the gospels and just said, how did he manage his time? Jesus was busy. You could look at the gospels and say he was probably pretty busy. But he'll say that Jesus was never hurried. And I thought that was a really neat distinction. Now, to to add some guardrails here, Ron Ewing always shares this, and I think it's so wise as well. He was talking to a lady, hey, Ron, how you doing? He's, oh, doing good, we're just really busy, you know? And she, oh, if if, uh, the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. So there's that too, right? And so I think that's actually very true as well. And that's really the kind of where we want to take this, where we, we say, God, this is your time, and am I too busy? Now, being busy is important. Jesus is coming back. He's going to snatch up his church, the rapture, the great harpazo, and we're going to go meet him in the sky. I don't know exactly when, but it could be like now or it could be later. I don't know. We look forward to the soon return of Jesus. We would say, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus and come quickly. But until then, Jesus said, you got to occupy. You got stuff to do make disciples who make disciples. Like that's what we get to do as a church. We get to wake up every day and we have purpose is to exalt Jesus and make disciples. Hey, we would maybe say know him, make him known to win disciples, sin. Like we got work to do for sure. And so we're looking through, if I'm too busy, here's what I've been challenged with. If I'm too busy to be with people, I am too busy. That is a statement of truth. If I'm too busy to be with people, I'm too busy. If I'm too busy to make disciples, you guys, listen, I'm too busy. If I'm too busy to hang out with the Lord, I'm too busy. I got to prioritize my time differently. What I need to do is say, here's my time. Pretend that you have your schedule on your hand and then you submit it to Jesus. You submit it to the Lord and you say, is this okay? What do I need to get out of here that's taking time away from where you want me to be spending time? Is it possible that the Lord might want you to walk to ASOS instead of going this way really fast? Yeah, it is possible. I want you to know this as we continue on in the story here we read with Luke that Paul's going to hop on a boat and he's going to travel. And we're eventually going to read that he's going to hurry on past Ephesus and go to Miletus because he had some stuff to do and that's okay. But it was this, it was led by the Lord and that's what matters. Does he have that sovereignty in your life? Your schedule, your time. It's an act of worship, isn't it? To offer him that, that time. Stuff to consider. These are things that you guys undoubtedly know and probably wrestle with, that tension. But I want to present it to you as we're here in Scripture just to consider. I don't want to be hurried. I do want to be busy doing the things that God has asked me to do. Time is short. We'll get to it at the very end here in a moment. But being hurried, I can't do. That's a condition of my heart, being hurried. Being hurried is what makes you want to blow up the car in front of you that's going slow, right? And I can't do that. Are there ways to blow up cars where people can't get hurt? I don't know of it. It's illegal. 
but that's being hurried. And my kids can sense that. In fact, traveling through the word, I'm trying to learn how to pace myself so that I don't like project a hurriedness as I go through this. I want this to be green grass and still waters, but it's like I'm looking at time, thinking all these things, you know, usually, and it's like, ah, but I don't want to be hurried. I just want to be able to pace myself and go and teach the word. That way you guys can just rest and enjoy. But when you're hurried, your kids feel it. And it does something in your house. It's good to be busy, man. There are things to do, but it's like the Lord's. What has the Lord asked you to be busy doing? There are probably things you're doing that are a waste of time. And so then we just need to consider that. And if I'm involved in things like that, then I repent. I say, God, be the Lord of my time. I'm submitting that to you guys to consider. What needs to be shifted so that you can know him and make him known? Just ask that. If I'm too busy for people, I'm too busy. It's all about people. The Lord wants to use you guys. Jesus needed to go through Samaria. You guys remember that? John chapter four, verse four. He needed to go through Samaria. Now, admittedly, going through Samaria was actually a shortcut to get to Galilee. But the Jews would travel around Samaria because they didn't want to become unclean and potentially touching stuff that wasn't good. But Jesus needed to go through Samaria. Paul needed to walk to Asos. And then there are these things where you guys consider, what is it that you just like, I need to do this. I don't have time for it, it seems. I feel hurried, but no, I gotta slow down and I gotta be led by the Lord to minister to people. That's important. I know, like I'm convicted by it. I'm challenged, like, Lord, show me how to walk through these things. It's hard. I want to be led by the Lord to minister to people the love and truth of Jesus. That's what we get to do. Know him and make him known. Let's wrap this up. Verse 14 When we had met us in Asos, we took him on board and he came to Mytilene. We sailed from there and the next day came opposite to Chios. And then following that day, we arrived in Samos and stayed in Trogilium. And the next day we came to Miletus. For Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so he would not have to spend time in Asia. For he was hurrying or he was making haste or desired earnestly to be at Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. At this point in time, there are 21 days from uh, Passover. In, in, in uh, Acts chapter 20, verse 6, 21 days have passed. 20, 20, 21, 22 days. He has 28, 29 days to go from Miletus all the way to Syria and then down to Jerusalem. So he's going to be cutting it close. He's got a lot of a ways to travel here. <clears throat> but Paul made these plans... He felt like the Lord had called him to do this and he was sticking to it. Those things that God has asked you to do. Man, there, there's so many different things you could say that I would minister and take the time, make the time for my wife. Is that necessary? You better believe it is. We just had a wonderful marriage conference where we learned these things to prioritize that. Prioritizing time for my family and my kids. I don't wanna be busy. I don't wanna be hurried to where they feel that. I wanna minister to them. Sometimes you have to go slow to meet with people, don't you? Is it hard? Yes. Does it require that the Holy Spirit would reign in your life, that you would give him those things, that he will order that? Yep, you got it. Give that to the Lord. Allow him to do it. Let him be the one who ordains it. Paul was planning months and years in advance. And that's okay when it's the Spirit of God doing it. James chapter four will say, hey, those of you who say I'm gonna go to this city and do this and I'm gonna sell and buy and trade and James is like, you don't know what you're talking about. You're a vapor. You have no idea if you're gonna make it another day. 
But he says, instead, you should say, if the Lord wills it, I'm going to go to this city or that city. And what it is, is just a submission to the Lord Jesus. He's worthy of it all. I've been redeemed. He's bought me back. My life is no longer my own. And so guess what? Neither is my time. And so, hey, I'm learning right along with you guys how to do that and how to interact with the Lord in such a way where I say, God, here's my life. You guys have 24 hours. I've got 24 hours. Paul had 24 hours. Jesus had 24 hours. He submitted himself to that. And he got it done. Lord, lead us by your spirit. Last thing and then I'm done. Go to Ephesians chapter 5. You are redeemed, and because you are redeemed and because of the work of the gospel, you now can redeem the time. You can't redeem your time unless you've been redeemed. Apart from you putting your trust in the work of the cross and the power of the Holy Spirit, you don't have any hope. Your hope is in Jesus. Your hope is submitting to the Father. Here I am, Lord, have your way. Speak to me submitting and surrendering and yielding your life. Let's finish with this. Ephesians chapter 15. In fact, hey, while I'm reading, Chase, why don't you guys go ahead and come up? That'll save some time. I don't want to be hurried, but it's good to be busy. So, (laughs) all right. This is an example of walking circumspectly. Come on up, you guys. Verse 15 of chapter five. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but being wise. What does it mean to walk circumspectly? You probably have an idea, but your head's on a swivel. Right? You're looking around. What do you have, Lord? You're being sensitive. Like, Lord, what do you think? Walk circumspectly, not like fools who are just going through life, plowing through it, not being intentional with their time. It's precious, your time, isn't it? What you have is so precious. Verse 16, redeeming the time. Well, why is that? Well, because the days are evil. And you could probably also add to this Colossians 4, 5, and 6 talk about, man, the time is short. Lord Jesus is like, come back. Until then, though, we got work to do. And so Paul would say to the Ephesians, right? He's going to talk to them here in Miletus. Redeem the time. Don't ever forget to. Walk circumspectly, not as fools, but be wise. How you spend your time matters. It's not your time. How you spend the Lord's time matters. Just like how we spend the Lord's finances, how we steward this property, how we steward everything else, man. It's the Lord, same as our time I'm challenged by it, convicted. If I'm too busy to meet with people, guess what? I'm too busy. The Lord Jesus has to reign supreme. I want to redeem the time now. I've been redeemed. The gospel is our hope. His power and his strength is that. You'll notice that it says, therefore, don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. That's what James said. If the Lord wills it, I'm going to go to that city. If the Lord wills it, I'm going to spend my time there. And he says, do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, which is a waste of time, but be filled with the Spirit. What is the remedy for this? Be filled with the Spirit. It's like, all right, Lord, I got you. And that's where we'll end and just say, God, have your way. We're going to take communion and remember the work of the cross. And so we'll enter into that time. But let me pray just kind of that over us. And I would encourage you guys just to submit yourselves to the Lord Jesus and your time. Father, we trust you with this, that you would reign supreme in and over our time. If there are places where we need to slow down and walk to, whether it's our spouse, our family, people at work, just show us what it looks like. Minister that to us, that we would surrender and yield ourselves to you as a body, your body, that you would indeed be the head calling the shots. 
We ask that you would move, Lord, that we would see people get saved. You said that the harvest is plenty. Labors are few, God. Help us to allow you to redeem our time, that you would reign supreme in and over it. Minister that to us. We thank you for the time we get to have now to just pause and remember the work of the cross. You have bought us back and redeemed us. We thank you for that. Minister to us now. Holy Spirit, come. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.